we're going to talk this morning. I am not good with getting topics, um, but the thing that has been stirring on my heart for quite a while um, in, talk, in just talking with the core team and stuff is this, is this phrase, truth, that word is truth. And I wanted to share on this the last time I shared, but I felt going to that thing in the parables. So I'm going to try again to get into this and let's see where, where we get to. But just before we do that, I think it's just good to recap some of the things we have been hearing over the last couple of weeks. So that thing about God of intervention that John spoke about last week. And, and you know, one of, one of the statements he made in the, in, in the message when I was listening to the audio was, we can't, let us not be seduced into this word of faith movement where we, and word of faith, I'm using it in a negative connotation there. Faith is good, and <laughs> the word is good. But where we just confess things, think things up in our mind, confess them and expect that God needs to bring them to pass. That is not faith. Faith is not getting a shopping list and then withdrawing into a quiet place and telling God your whole shopping list and saying, come on, you said you'll do it, so go do it. All right? Faith, and probably what we'll do is define some of these words so that we have um, helpful icons to, to, to when we look at Scripture to decode it correctly, not through the vanity of our own desires, but through um, God's will and his intent so that we, we are able to give back to God what he said is fruitfulness. And he said some will bear 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So probably it'll be good to start in, um, back in Mark. So if you bring up Mark 4, um, all the while from the first verse. Um, and while you're doing that, I'll just reflect on what Jeremy said. It was interesting when Jeremy was sharing the week before John, he was talking about um, stepping into a new level of joy. And he said it was very interesting. He had always prayed for, for things and for people and to see God's, God's healing power come to lives. But something different happened in recent times that although he saw the manifestation of a miracle, um, he had a joy produced inside of him because God was causing something else to be stirred on his inside. So it wasn't no longer about an external manifestation. It was about something that God was doing. And I think he, he, he spent some time talking about the Israelites crossing and there was a manna coming from heaven. And I thank God that, um, you know, from, from Joshua, the scripture isn't littered talking about big grapes and milk and honey. No? The scripture is not talking about that. But the people who wanted to believe, they enjoyed looking at the big grapes and said, oh, indeed, it is pleasant in that land. But we know the scriptures that were written after then, they were enjoying something different, a sense of communion and walking with God. That is what God was really after, that he could be their provision. Yeah? So when we look in the scriptures or when we um, gaze upon him, let us gaze with eyes of faith and eyes of desiring something internal, not just house, car, land, and whatever else we could desire in this life, all right? Um, so it's very interesting in, in Mark 4, I'm going back to that, and verse 2, what I was mentioning the last time, that he taught them many things by his parables, and in his teaching, he said, and I started the last time I shared saying, if Jesus only said what the Father said, and if he didn't engage in this flippant conversation, therefore every word that proceeded out of him, there is life inside of it. Yeah? 
He's not just having a chat just because he wants to pass time. Oh, the sun is nice and warm today. You know, the, he said it's 27 degrees. He probably had conversation, but this that is buried in the scripture is to show us himself and to show us the kingdom. So when he starts something by saying, and he taught them in his parables, in his teaching, some doctrine said, in his doctrine, some um, translations say, we got to pay attention to it and look at it with a bit of interest. Because soon after he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Yeah? And be careful how you hear and behold and see. And I went the last time talking about that behold and see that it's, it's, it is our inheritance. It is for us not to be blinded, as it said in Isaiah 6, um, that less seeing they, seeing they see and hearing they hear. For us, that is not a barricade. That is a promise. Yeah? We are the ones who are meant to see and hear. And in that scripture, if you read down in the, in the end, he said the disciples, for you it is given to know the kingdom of God. So everyone in here, together with myself, we won't, don't want to look at these scriptures as something complex and mysterious and um, for us not to be able to understand. They are given for us to understand, all right? So if we're not understanding, I want us to ask. I'm asking, I hope you're asking as well, yeah? Every time we hear the scripture and the word of God come, it is not given to exclude us. It is given to bring us in. All right? So I'll just quickly, um, I'll paraphrase. I'm starting late. I'll quickly paraphrase, and then um, we'll just go into some slides that will probably recap it. So the, the, the soil we heard is our life. All right? The angle I took on that parable is that the soil is us, and we are not an empty vessel. We are a vessel where the word of God comes in, all right? But there are other things that could enter the soil of our life, all right? And part of that has come about because of the fall of man in the very beginning, yeah? Boulders come in, thorns and thistles come in, and even tears come in, which wasn't covered in that passage, but tear, tear, that thing that looks like wheat also comes into us. But we have a responsibility to remove those things. We can't just do it in our own strength, we do it by the Holy Spirit, who enables us to remove those things from us, all right? So the soil is permanent, and the soil refers to us. Could we say us? Us. The soil refers to us. The boulders are not the provision of God. The thorns and thistles are not the provision of God. They have just come about because of the fall of man, all right? And this journey of life, what Christ did in that song that we all know and is very familiar with, he purchased us, our soul, yeah, and he brought our spirit back to life. But we are left here in it to allow this soul to become mature and redeemed so it could sit with our spirit where in heavenly places, okay? So um, if we just go to the slide, just show some images. And we all probably have different images that conjure up in our mind when we read the scripture. If we go to the, see if this works. What we see here? We see birds, all right? Well, let's, check, let's see if it's working. So the birds there in that scripture is almost like the wayside, all right? Seed, when seed is thrown to the ground, it is not just to feed birds, all right? If birds eat seeds, 
You don't have anything in the future. It's okay. I could do without it. It's okay. If birds eat seeds, you don't get a harvest in years to come. All right? Seeds is meant to come to the ground, but birds could eat some of it. All right? But very interesting, when the, in the analogy of Mark 4 and Matthew 13, when it talks about the birds coming to eat the wood, that was confusing for me. I was like, do demons and the, the Satan eat the provision of God? And I think, yes, they do. Everything exists by the power of his command. And it took me back to Job when it says, the sons of God were walking before God, and their Satan was in the midst. And that was very interesting, I felt, because... Does Satan have an audience before God? I thought he was cast away. Yeah? And I think Satan has access. But the thing that is very interesting is that he can't decode his will. Okay? They could feed on it, but it doesn't produce life. Because when you go to that scripture in the epistles that talk about the angels there to see, and they marvel at the mystery that God has buried in these vessels of clay... As his glory comes forth, I was sharing the last time that angels dare to see the things that we partake of. The mystery of God, there was a piece of God that God hid from angels. Both fallen angels and angels that are still doing his bidding. There's parts of his will and his intent, his glory, that he has purposed in himself will be revealed in man. All right? And I'll probably spend some time looking at that in the scripture. All right? So... Seed is meant to go into the ground to produce harvest. Birds of the air will pluck it. We know Satan came to Eve and said, I think in chapter 3, did God really say? And he was challenging the word. He came to Jesus in the wilderness and he says, isn't it written? Yeah? He was using the same scripture, which is the word. But he was using it as a means to deceive rather than a means to produce life. Okay? But for us... We could take those same scriptures and we could know, yes, but this is the intent of God. All right? So God, what man was supposed to feed on in the garden was not just, uh, was not just the, the fruit. Yeah? Man was designed to live by obedience. That's the thing that has always existed. We're not eating of those same trees, but we're still eating of the thing that Adam was ordained to partake of obedience, all right? And when Adam disobeyed, he started to die. And we know he lived 900 plus years. So that death, I don't think is a natural death. That death speaks to separation. So every time we see death or dying in the scripture, if you translate that to be separation from God, it's a very helpful lens to look through. If you hear life, eternal life, you think that as fellowship with God, it helps you understand it a bit better. So it's not just physical death or natural death. It is separation from God or communion with God. All right? And we have this, this, this um, which is the second um, example. It said some fell on stony ground. And quite interesting, it said it rece- they received it with gladness. It sprung up, but it had no roots. And we, we, we spent some time talking about Offense, the things that cause the word of God not to bear its fruit or to grow up to be a mature tree is the things of offense or the things that we have allowed to form scars inside of our heart so that we are incapable, both from hearing him, the thing um, Jenny said, not being able to hear that we are complete because we're looking 
on the things that the enemy who accuses us continues to remind us of. But this is what your mother said, or this is what you believed, or this is what you did, or whatever the case is. And it causes us not to hear God. And we, 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 we separate ourselves. All right? So the offense are the boulders, the things that you had time to remove, but you leave them, and they, after a while, they give space for the word of God to fall. But as soon as we leave the presence of God, we are unable to cause that word to grow into a mature tree. All right? And we'll talk a bit about how we remove boulders. These are representations, let's call that the thorns and the thistles. Yeah? Um, it looks cute there, but when I was sharing with yourselves, I was saying, these thorns and thistles, the Bible said, these are the things the seed grows. Yeah? The word of God that you receive grows, but in time to come, something comes and chokes it. Chokes it means it preoccupies your thought, preoccupies your meditation, preoccupies your energy. And what could some of those things be? Dream job? How many of you are still dreaming for that job that really will give you the resources or the free time? Daniel, you? <laughs> I think you have it. <laughs> you know? Um, children, family, that beautiful marriage at the right time where the sun is setting and the photographer gets it just right and all your friends are just there to see it, you know? It could be health equals good life. It could be just familiarity, you know, that, that, that love and affection we have for each other, but not in him, yeah? Or this last image, you know, as you get to the 40, 50 years of age, you start worrying about the pension pot and the inheritance for your children and all these other stuff that preoccupies your mind. But this is just examples of things that probably separate us because they consume us in this walk of life, yeah? They are used as measures of excellence or living a good life, yeah? If you're in good health, people think, well, you know, you lived well. You have a good job and you're excelling and you're getting in promotions, you have done fantastically well. You know, you leave a big inheritance to your kids, um, lovely, yeah? But the thing I want us to focus on that is that while we still do these things, there is a spiritual walk that resurrects our soul that should be more our preoccupation that brings us into greater assurance that the life we're living is securing him. And I want to say it's possible, yeah? I think Jenny said, if any of us doubting that that is possible, that this soul state is the thing that could really be your preoccupation, um, anything that comes and says, no, that's not true, that is a lie. Yeah? God is not a lie. That is a lie. Yeah? And that's the accuser that used transgression and sin to separate us from God. Um, so the last one talks about fruitfulness. All right? The last, the last analogy in the four. And it says, some fell on good ground, and it, it, dug, it dug roots deep, and then it produced 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And I have an image here that I think demonstrates good fruitfulness, a big time of harvest, probably before I should, you know, I'll go into it. So this image to me is harvest in the making, but when I look at it with natural eyes, I cringe. I don't see harvest. But that is the ultimate harvesting flow. All right? That's this one. 
So that there is just an image that depicts, it's probably fake blood here, but it's an image that depicts Christ on the cross. And that might be difficult for some of us to look at, but interesting, after he talks about all those stages of the good ground, it said about the sower putting the sickle to the field and harvesting it and bringing in that 30, that 60, that 100 fold. And Christ, when the sickle was put to his mortal life, it wasn't despair. <laughs> yeah, there was an ability to forgive even those who were doing that to him. And therefore, he was able to produce the life, the hundredfold, that God said is our blessed assurance. Yeah? And each of us in this room, because on that cross, he wasn't doing that as part of deity. Yeah? He was a man just like us. So whatever our circumstance, my challenge to us all is that we need to be able to produce life despite the circumstance. All right? So you think about all the horrible things we have probably faced or probably ahead of us. When it comes to our moment, it needs to be recorded in the annals of time as glorious. All right? And I'm reaching to God for a sense of hope and faith that in my moments, I could produce life despite it looking very grim on the outside. Okay? All right. So we're going to talk a bit about what it is to be, um, to be good soil. Um, one of the things Jeremy also shared, and it probably be good, if you could bring up 1 Corinthians 4.9. Then you could line up Ephesians 4 to 3, 14. Jeremy also shared about the, the prayer for the saints. And it's very interesting. When you look at Paul's prayer in the epistles, he often thanked God for the saints, but he went on to tell them that he was praying for something more. Yeah? And it often wasn't that they have bricks and mortar or, or camels or donkeys or whatever the case is. He was praying for their spiritual man that they come to know God as he has ordained them to live. All right? First Corinthians 4.9. Go to verse 4. No, go to, verse, go to chapter 1. My apologies. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. Yes. This is Paul praying. I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Jesus Christ. For in him you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and your knowledge because your testimony about Christ has been confirmed in you. All right? So he's talking there about a testimony being formed in them. That is his prayer. All right? So when we pray for each other and when we interact with each other, the thing we should be desiring to see come forth is more than just prosperity. You know, in those many images I saw, good job, good school, whatever. We are praying and standing in agreement with each other 
for our soul to be redeemed. I'm not saying it's not good to pray for things, yeah, that we may be hoping for. But I'm saying most of our energy should be engaged in praying for that spiritual man. Um, If you go to verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord who is faithful. And I think that's a good prayer. Anybody's praying that over me, I'll gladly welcome that. Yeah? That produces something more than any passage of life. Ephesians 3, 14. Go to verse 15. For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you go further. I pray, out this, that, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ for us. Um, so those are just... Two, two scriptures that talk about Paul praying for, the, for believers. But all over the scriptures, we talked about the Colossians, the Thessalonians, the Philippians. It is the same kind of posture Paul had in prayer. And we need to have that over each other's lives and over ourselves as well. That the thing that when we go to God, it is easy sometimes to go with God, to God with my knees hurting. Or give me peace today for... Um, this job interview, or whatever the case is. But it's more about to be successful about in the job interview rather than to have the peace constantly abiding. Yeah? We're not saying, God, peace is my portion and I want it always. We almost pray for it because we're just trying to get past the next obstacle. And therefore, we're living by a kind of stop and start walk in the spirit. And that is not our portion. That is not what God has ordained for us to walk in. He has ordained for us to fellowship in these things always. Um, so let's, let's just talk about the seed and it's interesting if we go to Isaiah 55 10 to 13 we said the sower don't sow the seed carelessly and therefore when God says his word never returned to him void one of the things I often as a young Pentecostal growing up in the Caribbean um, you know, we were told to evangelize and bring the lost to Christ. And you felt that every person, you need to zap them so that you could tell them about Jesus so nobody had an excuse, you know? And as I said, when I shared the last time, it's very interesting. Enoch never had the scripture. You know, Abel didn't have the scripture. But those people still came to feast on the word of God. So I said the scripture is not the word of God, but the word of God is his release into us, yeah? And... No one could escape it. If anyone could escape it, it means when the great judgment day comes, you could stand before God and say, you know what, nobody never told me. I happened to be born in the backside of some place, or I happened to be lost and abandoned, and nobody told me, so therefore, you can't judge me. Yeah? But the Bible says that everyone will be judged, and no one will be out excuse. 
And it's very interesting when we think about that and we then think about the sower sowing the seed. It wasn't careless scattering. As I said the last time, wayside was because you didn't do something to make your soil ready to receive the word of God. Stony ground means that you did something, but you didn't do enough. You left some things in there that then choked the word of God. Thorns and thistles meant you did a little more, but you still had desires. And therefore, in the passage of time, your desires choked out the word of God. But when we read this scripture, it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering, the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that yield seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I will send it. Here's God. Very interesting. And you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And the trees, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thorn bush, will grow the pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. So it's very interesting there. We've seen little images of that, thorns and thistles and other things being also buried in that scripture back in Isaiah. And, you know, I don't know really, I, I came across this quite recently. Sometimes we read the scripture, and if you read just the Gospels, you think, whoa, that person said that. But oftentimes, when you go back into the prophetic books, you see records of the same scripture being written. Yeah? And different guys in the Gospels wrote them differently. Matthew was writing to the Jews, unlike Mark. Mark, who was... Um, um, one of the disciples of Peter, he wrote to the Gentiles. So he, he often in his scripture never referenced uh, the prophetic books, yeah? Because you wouldn't know it. It's almost like I go out there and I'm talking to somebody on Green Lane and I said, as it is written in Joshua, the person never read the Bible. It's irrelevant to them, yeah? Um, so therefore, sometimes people in the, in the different books, they write things, you may think it's their own concoction or, or their own understanding, but often it is buried in something that God has released to many people across time, yeah? And why it's interesting, as I said, the Bible is all like our family album. And every time you see something there, it is good to spend time looking into it and trying to understand, does this bear any resemblance? This is what I'm hearing when I'm praying, or this is what this person said to me. Let me go and see if this lines up with how God has dealt with us, yeah? And it doesn't mean that God needs to literally do it as he did it with Job or as he did it with Daniel, but there should be some core of resemblance in the move of God outworking himself with us, all right? And revelation is progressive. By that I mean sometimes God uses examples for things, but he's really after this heart. So every time you read the scripture, if you just try to interpret it literally, you will always come and stumble, yeah? And he said for the Jews, it's like a stumbling block, and for the Greek, it's like foolishness, yeah? So for us, there is a mystery that is buried in the word of God, but we only get access to it as we fellowship both with each other and lay things down and say, this is what I'm hearing, or also we go to the scripture and say, does this line up with how God has dealt with people before, all right? So... The seed, which is God's word, it comes into us. It falls on everybody else outside there as well. 
All right? So it kind of releases us from some kind of burden to think we have to tell every person we encounter on the bus or on Green Lane about Jesus Christ. The word comes to everyone. God sometimes asks us to deliver it. He also sometimes asks us to reflect it by how we conduct ourselves in work, in school, in our, in our neighborhood. But the word of God comes to everyone, and that seed produces life. All right? So the sower is deliberate. The word falls on everyone. No one will be without excuse. And our responsibility is the quality of our hearing. And I think when the Bible says, be careful how you hear, I think it's in the hearing that allows the boulders and the thorns and the thistles to be uprooted. All right? So we need to ask ourselves, God, how do I hear well? And hearing well has to do with diligence. And diligence means that you don't just hear it and let it sound nice and say, you know what, that makes sense and I move on. You go the added distance to make it a personal revelation. All right? In, in Psalms, we wouldn't turn to it. In Psalms 119.11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. David was talking about a deliberate process of not just hearing about God through the stories he have heard, but a diligent going after. And he taught it to Solomon. And Solomon said in Proverbs 2, he said, you know, he was talking about his father saying to keep my words and my commandments so your life will be well. And there's a sense in which as we share the word of God, not the scripture, as Jeremy shares last week, or no, John shares last week about the God of intervention. As Jeremy shares about um, that contrary joy that he has found, you know, knowing God in that way. As I was talking before about the so and stuff. If you don't, like the disciples in this parable says, you know what, what did that thing mean? I do not understand it. If you don't have a desire to hear it well, to make it your possession, then the birds of the air will grab it. Anything will come and replace it tomorrow. Everybody stared at me like, am I saying something contrary? No? If you don't be diligent with what God reveals over you and press into God and say, God, as he said in James, I want wisdom. I don't want the wisdom that is earthly. I don't want the wisdom that is debased. I want the wisdom that comes from on high. God, reveal what you mean by that thing that was said. I want that to be my eternal possession. If that is not the posture of your heart, I promise you, in time to come, boulders or thorns or thistles will cause that word to be stifled. And that is not God's promise for us. Yeah? So, could you join me saying that we will intently, we will earnestly listen, using the King James, yeah? Everybody, let's earnestly listen and go after getting the seed of God to go deep inside. I felt when I looked at that image I showed of Christ a bit earlier, that roots was equal to fruitfulness. Because it, it talked about in that analogy, and probably in Matthew 13, that the roots went deep. And I'm thinking the deeper the roots go, is the greater the ability to bear the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold fruit. All right? So hearing is important. Receiving with gladness. Jeremy talked about that triangle. You receive it with thankfulness, but there is a sense of allowing the word of God to go deep inside of you. And in the right season, 
it produces fruit. You know, Christ always withdrew. You know, we saw a lot of things in the Gospels with Christ talking to the disciples, but it just seemed that he spent a lot of time solitary as well, yeah? Or with the disciples alone. Just withdrawing and talking to the Father, you know? 30 years of his life seem a bit opaque, apart from when he was about 11 or 13, where he, he just existed as a carpenter's son. That's as much as we know. But we know he was always fellowshipping with the Father. So, the question I have to us here, what do I want of my life to manifest? You know, is, am I only after the 30 to 33 years, or am I after plugging into him that I'm building the deep roots, that whenever he calls upon me, I will be able to stand? And that has been something that just has reordered the, 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 the emphasis of my life. I want to spend more time in digging deep roots so that whenever... The kingdom of God demands of me to reflect or to serve others in ministry. That is being produced out of a depth, out of a well that has been first built and established in him. Jeremy also spoke about, I think, um, did you talk about the mustard tree? I heard it in somebody sharing. Not, not you. Somebody shared about the mustard tree. I think it was when probably you were talking about praying for things. It's very interesting. When you hear the analogy of the mustard tree and the birds of the field coming to, to think on it, um, to, 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 to nest in it, and the beasts of the field, there's also a scripture that talks about if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. And I have never prayed and cast a mountain into the sea. Anybody here? I haven't even cast a stone <laughs> into the sea. But when Christ defined it, he didn't define it as a glorious faith position. Yeah? A lot of us will say, you know what, then I want that. But if he's saying, it is as small as this, therefore there is something bigger. And I think the use of faith for things is a, in, is a, is a, in, in the king, economy of the kingdom, is a low-level expression of, of, of using this life that God has given us. All right? So I, I, I call faith... Um, obedience towards God. Every time I see that word in the scripture or people use it, I say faith, obedience towards God. And I think obedience towards God has to be something more than me casting a stone into the sea or even, dare I say, a mountain. All right? As we've seen in the scripture, many walked through the desert and saw many signs and wonders. All right? They saw rivers parted. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw people consumed. But that did not produce inside of them the ability to have faith towards God. Only, is it Jacob? No, Joshua. Only Joshua and Caleb had faith when called upon. And it wasn't because they were in it for the fight. Yeah? They had an ability to have obedience towards God because they believed what God said. Okay? So the deception of life could be that if we can't pray and see somebody's hand outstretched or somebody raised from Queen's Hospital then, you know, the power of God is not inside of us. Jacob, J Joshua, and Caleb didn't do that. The faith they find inside of them was that they heard God's word and they believed that it was true. They believed they were part of a prophetic destiny in God. And that is what we need to believe as well, yeah? And we have something better than them. We have our spirit man already sitting in heavenly places. So when we face circumstances... The challenge to us 
And the way that we keep our soil very pure is not allowing fear to encroach it. Because fear is one of the things that chokes out faith and confidence in God. We know that scripture, I think probably in the end, the same mark, where it said he was in the bowels of the ship and the disciples says, you know, we're going to perish. And he says, why, what is all this fear? Why you have no faith? Yeah? So they, he's almost saying, you had something else inside of you rather than faith. And that thing was fear. And for us, I think part of in this season, as we come to, to know God and really do his exploits in this arena of life, whatever sphere of life we are called to be, there is a requirement that God must be able to place his word inside of us. We must be diligent in hearing it. And in the awkward moments of life, we must be able to produce 3400 fold, 60-fold when God comes to harvest. All right? And that is by us paying heed. Um, it talks in the latter part of Mark as well about the merchant who found the pearl and, 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 and it also talked about a man as well. And when I saw that, I, was, I often in times past thought, even up to quite recently, if they sell everything they have and all they have is this jewel, it seems a bit lossful and um, just, what's that thing? I, that thing, precious, my precious. Where is that from? <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems idolatrous that they have this one thing and they gave everything up for it. But it's very interesting when, you know, I was asking the Spirit to just unveil that to me, is that all that they had was things that will last only for a time. Yeah? The reason, and I said it here before, something I heard, the reason they exchange everything to buy that is because they believe this thing in time will be worth more than what they had. I wouldn't give up my money to buy something if the thing will work less than my money in time to come, yeah? You exchange for something because you believe this has reached the zenith of its, of its value and this other thing will go on to work more, okay? So exchanging the cares of this life, exchanging any affection or security in what is now gives you the ability to go on in God. And we saw that in the, in the rich young ruler. Remember that guy? And we often thought it was kind of hard how Christ dealt with him. He said, he, 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 all these things have I done all my life. And Christ said to him, now go sell all your goods and follow me. What did he do? He went away sorrowful. Yeah? Lines up very like those other two guys did differently. They sold all they had, they bought the field, and they invested in the treasure. And I think what God is asking us to do in this season is a, is a sense of where we see him and we have an assurance in something more than the things that are around us or the things that we have come to find security in. And we can listen to this with a sense of, mm, he, he sounded a bit zealous. He could go on with that. But for me, I think life is very stable. Um, I, I, could, I could probably get by. It's not so bad. You know, my kids... Well, you know, my life is just about making sure my kids grow up as good humans, you know? My life is just about 
making sure I could provide for my family. My life is about making sure I, I just deliver a good quality education to the school or classroom or whatever our job may be. We could almost choose a lesser portion of what God is demanding of us because it is always convenient. A, a word we often use is, is practical. You know, I could relate with taking care of my backyard. You know, I could relate with dropping my kids to school or, or, or providing food for them to eat. Those are the things that are easy to, 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 to validate me in this life. Yeah? But my soul state, which God says will reflect outward, that Christ-likeness, could sometimes be the things that I could sit right here with you and you not see. I could be forsaking the promise of the Spirit of God and none of you will know. Yeah? But if I negate going to work in the morning or, or doing something real practical, it is very evident, very easily. Okay? So, um, all I can say to us is that I'm feeling that there's a different season coming upon us where God is really going to open our eyes to see him in a whole new way. All right? And as I said at the start, the thing that came to mind is truth, thy word is truth. And I want us to have a prayer before him to say, God, how when I hear you, I don't, like Eve or any of the others, deduce that this is too hard or this is not really what you say and I could walk in obedience. All right? And I said, faith is obedience towards God. And I want to, to pray just now for us. Um, but I'm sensing that that song we sang at the start, In Christ Alone I Stand, Where I Have My Hope, that I don't just want that to be a story. I want that if you were to come and examine my life, or when angels stand in the audience of heaven to look upon me, that they could see something more glorious than Solomon in his wisdom. They should see something more glorious than this Abel offering a lamb sacrifice. I am sure since that time, a more perfect lamb has been born. Yeah? So it's not those things. It is something inside of here that God is after. And I want that no one in the scripture or no one that has existed before me exceeds me in my personal giving of myself towards God. And I believe that's something that we all can do as well. And I want, when we read the scripture, I'm just sensing a place where we'll come to a place that we'll see God and not see the words. We'll see not things that are of olden time, but things that we can also walk in. And therefore, it becomes our inheritance. It becomes our provision. It becomes a thing that we can have security in. So we'll, we'll pray now, and then probably I'll share a bit more, but time is against us. So um, let me just pray for us. And the thing I want you to be asking for as I pray is, God, what are the boulders? What are the cares? What are the things that make me try to see you in a practical way? What are the things that make me reduce you to a level of this realm and not see you as you are? All right? And let's just reach out to God for that, and then we'll probably... Um, have the band come back up and just, we just sing that song again for a while. So Father God, I come before you not just 
Father, God, I come before you inquiring that you could reveal to me your desire for my life. Father God, and I ask you, God, to reveal the boulders, the things that I've become so comfortable with, but stifles the growth of your word coming into my life. Father God, I pray if anyone in this, in this room, oh God, is not presently joined to you, that they are defined as the wayside. They don't have the ability to, to, to receive the word of God because, oh God, it's just a solid layer. Father God, that your spirit will speak to them right now, this very moment, and you could make their spirit man alive. That thing that hears you, that thing that sits with you, Father God, that you could raise them to know you. Father God, I pray for the cares of life, for the things, oh God, that allow us to exist, but, oh God, they choke out your word. Father God, I pray that we will, oh God, be able to exchange, oh God, our preference for these things to your word. Father God, like Adam and Eve in the garden, and your instruction that they could eat of every tree in the garden above that tree of knowledge and evil. Father God, I ask that you will reveal to myself and each of us what are those things that are antichrist positions, things of Satan, oh God, that, that just postures itself as excellence, but cuts us off from walking in obedience. Father God, let us eat of the tree of life. Let us eat of obedience. Let us eat, O oh God, of every word that comes from your mouth. Father God, and everything that separates us, everything, tribulation, whatever it is, O oh God, cause us to see you in the midst of it. And in the day when you are demanding of us, O oh Lord God, to come to you, cause us not to live in the, in the bowels of fear. Father God, I come against that this morning. I sense a lot of us, O oh God, are consumed with fear. Oh God, consumed with the opinions of others. And I ask you, God, to come by your glorious power and reveal it to these individuals, oh Lord God, that they are under bondage. I ask you, God, that they will be able to cry out to you, God, from whence their help comes from, but also to other individuals, oh God, who will stand with them to see a new day over their life, that they will no longer, oh God, be under the dark clouds of despair, but they can, oh Lord God, live in the open heaven where your word falls to the ground and finds root inside of their lives. Father, I thank you that in the storms of life, you will not have to rebuke us because our peace, our peace, oh God, will be because you have declared it. Father God, your son walked this earth and he seemed contrary. John the Baptist walked in this very earth and seemed contrary. Oh God, because they were committed to something more than this realm. Father God, even though I have to now look more awkward by walking in your way, God, I willingly choose it. Cause no preference, oh God, or the opinion of no one to arise over my life and to choke out, oh Lord God, what you think of me. For what you declare is the thing that I am interested in. Is the thing that I feast on. Because it's the thing that gives me life. Father God, you know our weakness. You know our stumble. You know the hurt. 
You know the things, oh God, that we thought we dealt with and we did not. Father God, now I ask you, oh God, through your mercy and your love, to just shine your light. Father God, and may it be a threshing floor and an altar of sacrifice. God, that we will yield and give you again and again our best. Father God, we go into our tomorrows, we go even in today. And as we rejoice and we enjoy this world, Father God, cause our contentment and our delight to be beyond 27 degrees Celsius, to be beyond anything that we could earn in this realm. Cause our delight and the joy that you have placed in our hearts to be anchored and secure in the hope of Christ. That thing that you said I can come into, that Christ-likeness, that way of life, that is the thing I want to walk in, God. And that is the thing I want to partake of so that you can be made a praise in this time, in my life, in the fullness of all that is. I thank you, God.